With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 115 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday in the books. I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon, and it is hot here in the prairies of, on the prairies of Saskatchewan. We're melting. It's 34 here today. And I can tell you, this hot and a little wind and garbage does not mix. And I burn my face as I'm talking. I'm touching my nose. I burn my nose. i got to be a little more diligent with the sunscreen, I think. But, uh, yeah, she is warm out there. But, how's everybody doing? Uh, I got a special guest for you today, a returning guest, again, in another one of my series of the five toughest opponents. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, guys, I'm actually really enjoying this little, uh, kind of, I, I like catching up with, uh, with the past guests as well, as well. But, um, no, I kind of like dig this little segment, this, uh, five toughest opponents. Um, but have no fear. I have talked to a few guys. I actually just through text about 10 minutes ago. Set up an interview for Thursday, and uh, it's with a new guest. I'm not going to throw out names, like I always, I always say. I'm never, I never call out the names in case it doesn't happen. Lots of stuff can happen, but uh, so I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. But last time I, for as as far as I know, this this individual has never done a podcast before. At least not, I don't think so. I've never heard of it anyway. If he has. And he's he's on social media, but he doesn't ever like he's not a real big social media guy. So, um, and I always he, uh, you guys will dig it. That's as far as I'll say. But he he played all over. He played in the uh, played uh, on, in the Ontario Hockey League and played in the minors and played over in Europe. And uh, yeah, you guys will dig it. But uh, just setting it up with him, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. But today's guest is Dakota Odgers. Um, he played. Four years in the Western Hockey League, here in the in the SJHL as well with the Yorkton Terriers, and then he went on and played uh, university hockey at Carleton College in Ontario, uh, three years. And of course, you know, last year with COVID, obviously didn't happen. But he played three years university and uh, graduated, and he's on to using his degree and heading up and uh, environmental studies. And he's he's actually hitting on a plane and heading up to Nunavut tomorrow. So I got him just before he took off, but. Uh, I had him on previously, um, 
funny enough, when I on my old platform, when it was just fourthlinevoice.com, uh, when I had my own site and everything, um, he was my, Josh Mazur was my very first interview I ever did, and Dakota was my second. And uh, at that time, he had just started university. And um, yeah, so it was interesting to catch up with him three years later, four years later, I guess, um, and, and see how that, that journey went. And uh, and like I said, uh, odd, and I've, I've had his dad on the show, and his, of course, his dad's legendary enforcer, Jeff Rogers. And uh, yeah, just a really nice family. I've had a lot of, uh, a lot of, and just even on social media privately, we've talked and texted and stuff. And the interactions have always been real positive, and I always enjoy talking to uh, to Dakota. And uh, so I had a lot of fun to get him back on the show and uh, and talk about his five toughest opponents. And we not only talked about that, but um, you know, just talked about uh, you know playing university hockey and the mindset that goes into that, and the difference between junior and, and university. And and of course, he had a shoulder surgery, which you know basically ended his playing career. Um, like a professional wise, because he had he had thought about going down to playing pro, and but uh, I, I believe he had four, 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 yeah, four shoulder surgeries in total, and and uh, you know enough was enough, but uh, you know, but we we talked about that, and uh, no, it was just and and about the education package that is offered through the junior hockey, and uh, and the different steps a a, a player could take. Um, so I, I was going to say for anybody out there that has kids that are in this position of junior hockey or school or that, um, yeah, I'd have them sit down and listen to this interview. Um, cause, and like I said, we, we, Dakota talks about it and here's a guy that went through it and took advantage of the, of the, of the, uh, the school package that the WHL offers. And, uh, and, but he also talks about a number of things that you could do with it. And it was a really interesting, uh, conversation. And, uh, and also I, I brought up, um, there, there was talk, and there's still talk, and I believe it's in the courts, about um, junior players getting paid. They were talking about getting paid minimum wage and, and that type of thing. And I brought that up to Dakota because that, that was going on, actually, while he was still playing junior hockey. Um, that, that conversation was happening. And uh, I will let you listen to it, and you can hear what he says about it. But um, if you want to go back and listen to my full-length Dakota Audrey's interview, which I suggest you do because it was a lot of fun, um, it is episode uh, 26. And actually, an episode 25 is my talk with his dad, Jeff, uh, which was a lot of fun. Of course, legendary enforcer, right? So, uh, yes, the, I had back-to-back Odgers, and uh, a lot of fun to talk to. So I was, I was really happy to get Dakota back on the show. Um, yeah, guys, like I said, around here, Wednesday is interview day, and then uh, Sunday, I also do an episode on Sunday, and uh, that is sort of the... Shit show Sunday, as we call it, it's a rant episode. Whatever, you know, if I if I find an article or something that whatever happens to be the topic of the hot topics of the week, or basically whatever's pissed me off on social media, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be yelling out the window about it. So uh, uh, definitely check that out. But uh, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, now we're down to four, right? So there's uh, there's four uh, four shows still going hot and heavy, um, you know, and they'll be breaking down. I'm, uh, you know, assuming the games and everything. Um, whereas the other team shows, I'm I'm, ass- I'm assuming you're talking about the draft or, uh, you know, what team needs and free agents and contracts and all that type of thing. Um, but yeah, like I said, whatever team you're a fan of, definitely check that out. Um, for my off network friends. 
of course, Joel, Joel Lazito, give her the Lazito, is, uh, well, of course, he's just uh, pigging shit right now with his Islanders. Um, but Joe runs uh, an Islander Enforcer podcast, Coliseum Chronicles, um, and he's had, you know, Mick Fakota on Air National, Eric Bolton, Jason Strudwig, on and on. Tremendous back catalog. Um, he releases his episodes on Monday. He just released his latest one, an interview with uh, uh, Islander uh, farmhand prospect, Joey Diamond. What a tremendous name, Joey Diamond. So we can talk about the uh, talk about all that. And like I said, Joe's been around um, around the block a few times. Well, more than a few times. Joe's old, put it that way, old like Methuselah old. But he's he's like a he's like a kid again here with this Islanders playoff run. Uh, you know, Joe will go on and on about hating the current product, but I know. He's got he's got his fanboy jerseys on. I mean, he's got his Tchaikovsky jersey and and everything. And I'm sure he's yelling yelling about shampoo. He might even throw his Yashin jersey on for game two here. But of course, he was on the Rod Peter Big Shot. He's on the Rod Peterson show. Oh, a phone in guest and oh yeah, Joe Joe's everywhere. And then to top it all off, he's got merch. He's got his face on coffee mugs and pucks and shirts and leggings and. You know, what have you. I mean, if you want Joe to sit on your face, you can find something to put on your face. <laughs> but, uh, no, Joe does a great job. Joe's a good dude. So I always like to uh, pump Joe's tires. And uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, I, I talk to Joe quite a bit uh, privately. And, and, and we always have some laughs. And uh, and uh, and I always say, like, with the, I don't watch hockey anymore, so I, I don't give a shit who wins and whatever. And doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, these last four, I mean, I'd like to see Vegas win, uh, you know, cause I'm a Reeves guy and, uh, you know, and I've, I always go to Vegas every February. So I have a soft spot for the city. Um, what a show though, what a production they put on. And I mean, 20,000 people going nuts. I mean, you know, there might be about nine of them that know what icing is, but whatever they're loud, they're vocal. Uh, no, actually, Vegas always been a decent hockey town. I mean, from the Thunder to the to the Wranglers, I did go to a few Wrangler games back in the day when they were in the East Coast League, um, when they played out of the Orleans Arena. Those were actually fun games, man. It, yeah, you know, uh, the gals walking around and it uh, basically uh, halter tops and uh, you know, bud, aluminum cans of Bud Light for two bucks and. Uh, yeah, I mean, you had theater seats, and it was it was a whole different experience than and wearing shorts and flip flops. It was a little different experience than going to a hockey game in uh, you know Dundurn, you know. So it was uh, no, it was a lot of fun, and and it would it always it, I you know and hey, I mean, it, I'm sure I if somebody if you had too much time on your hands could go back and find the tweets, but when Vegas was getting an NHL team, I for some reason I can remember a lot of people saying it's not going to fly. And I was like, you know, at that point, like I said, we go to Vegas every February, and um, and I had been around the the hockey down there and the vibe, and I'm like, you're insane if you don't think it's going to go. Like, I knew it was going to be popular. Now, in saying that, I didn't realize they would be this successful so quick. I mean, what, they made the playoff? Well, hell, they made the Stanley Cup final in their first year, which, of course, obviously bolstered their uh, popularity, obviously. But playoffs every where they've been in the league five years. Playoffs every year, um, just a solid team, top of the standings all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody goes on and on. Oh, they got put in a good spot. And they got the NHL tried to, 
Yeah, I mean, it was a different time than when Ottawa and San Jose and stuff came in the league. I mean, there was, you know, there was no salary cap back then and whatever. But, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, maybe it was set up. But, I mean, they obviously made some real smart moves. And uh biggest thing was probably getting, you know, real solid goaltending. And, um, you know, and, hey, you know, no. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to knock the Knights. I dig them, man. And, like I said, they're a physical team. They got, re- they got the toughest guy in the league. You know, it could be argued, give or take. I mean, you got Reeves, they play him and plays all the time. And, uh, hey, I, I'm not going to knock the Knights. But, uh, you know, so if the Knights won, that'd be cool. But at the same time, I mean, I know Joe, of course, and his Islanders. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're a storied franchise. And But it's been a long time since they won. And, you know, so with the fact that Joe's my friend and big Islander guy, I'll, here the, I'm saying it now. Here, here it is. I will cheer for the Islanders. Because of Lazito. That's it. That's the only reason. So, there you go. I'll be. I'll jump on the Islander bandwagon. I'm not going to watch. I'll just scroll my timeline. And I'm sure I'll hear Lazito squeal like a schoolgirl anyway from here if they win. So, uh, <laughs> so for Joe, let's do it for Joe. Let's go Isles. You know. But, um, there you go. Anyway, listen to Joe Lazito's show. Joe's a good dude. Um, also, Dan, Paul, and Kelly at the Obey the Puck Show, and Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot Show, like I would say, a couple current shows, you know, and they'll be talking about the playoffs, obviously, and what's going on, not only in the NHL, but in the minors as well, and they'll, women's hockey, and whatever that happened, happened to be the, uh, the topics of the, the topical, the, what am I trying to say, I guess the topics of the week, I guess say whatever's topical, there we go, not tropical, topical, actually, I watched that show the other day, uh, semi-pro. I don't know what it is. A lot of people hated that movie, but I, I don't know. Will Ferrell cracks me up in it. I, I don't know. I dig it. Let's get tropical. But, um, yes, I always say I listen to their show so I don't have to watch. But I stay informed. Finger on the pulse. Listen to the heartbeat of, of hockey Twitter. No, I don't want to listen to the hockey. I'd rather kick hockey Twitter in the ass. You know, my love-hate relationship with social media continues. Well, I hate social media. But the only reason I'm on it is I have to advertise this show, and that's the only way to do that. Because I don't have an alcohol named after me. I wish I did. I don't think I'd make hard alcohol. Well, maybe a spiced rum. I could maybe a fourth line voice spiced rum. Yeah. I thought I will say when I was at the liquor store the other day, when I've sent this picture out a couple times to Isha and the boys of the network, but there is a, 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 a wine. I don't know who makes it. I just, it's a Shiraz, Shiraz. Is that a wine? I'm not a wine guy. But it's called Punch in the Face. I said, well, there we go. I should get them on as a sponsor of the show. So if anybody from the winery that does punch-in-your-face winery, uh, how about you sponsor the 4th Line Voice Show? I think we could uh, we could do some things. How's that sound? i drink punch. If I had to drink wine, I'll drink punch-in-the-face wine. So why not? I'm, I'm more of a Moscato kind of guy, you know. Nah, if you're gonna drink wine, I always like drink the cheap shit, right? Like Boons or like Wild Vines or Arbor Mist or whatever. Like those bottles that are like seven bucks a piece, six ninety nine. You just drink them like Kool Aid. Yeah, I'm down with that. Why not, right? Sure, but uh, yeah, I could go punch in the face sponsor, punch in the face wine sponsor. There we go. Let's let's make it happen. But um, yes, so but social media. If you are so inclined to please, please follow me on social media at Fourth Line Voice, at Twitter as well as on Facebook. Um, 
Also, join the join the uh, Enforcer Appreciation Group started by my boy Alec at the. Fu- well, I, maybe I got to start including the Five for Fighting podcast. You know, he was gonna he retired, then he came back, then he retired. Now he moved down to Fort Myers. Oh, hard times! He's got luxury penthouse there with his feet up, and you know, uh, pools and the whole nine yards. Now he's talking about bringing that mud show back. So I don't know. Actually, I'm not gonna talk about it until he start until he has a return episode. Then I'll mention his outlaw show, but until then, I'm not going to say anything. But yeah, he moved. It's good to see that they moved. He got down to Fort Myers. Everything's unpacked, and well, maybe not unpacked, but everything's in there. And uh, yes, still no. Uh, we're hoping to. Obviously, we're selling our condo. Still nothing yet, folks. Getting impatient, honestly. Uh, hopefully, we can sell this place soon and move and get into our house that we want to buy and. Uh, I can unpack all my shit, and I will. I've, I've said once I unpack, I've got a, I've got an office because we already know what the house we're getting because we got a kind of a verbal. Once sell ours, we'll buy theirs. Kind of got a verbal deal. I've already planned out the back room and the basement. I've got it all set up. That's going to be the fourth line voice uh, studios, and I'll be able to. I'll get my damn uh, DVD players and VCRs and fight tapes all out and uh, DVDs and get my pictures up on the wall and my cards and my collectibles and all my nonsense. And I, I will do a room tour for you. I'll get, I'll put it up on my social media. Uh, once I get everything unpacked, like I said, I've had shit packed from when we moved to them from the apartment 13 years ago to here. We didn't have room for it in the condo. So I put it under my parents stairs and it's been sitting there. So I'm actually really looking forward to grabbing all those boxes and, uh, and uh, taking them out to the, to the new house and, and, and going through them, because I said, I'm sure there's shit in there that I forgot I owned. So, really looking forward to doing that. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we can sell this place quickly and uh, and get on with things. But, uh, anyway, where was I? Oh, talking about social media. Well, I'll wrap this up, because I, I talked to Dakota for an hour, and nobody tuned in to listen to me. But, uh, oh, the very last thing, if you could go, uh, if you're on YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, I have over 2,500 videos uh, from junior to pro. Whatever league you're looking for, I've got every all the fights sorted. Just type in OHL, LNAH, AHL, NHL, boom, boom, boom. There it is. Um, I try to, like I said, um, most of, again, most of my DVDs are packed away in storage, but I do have some here um, that my boy Chris sent me that I'm slowly going through. Um, actually, I just put up uh, some stuff from an, Alba, an Albany River Rats uh, 94, I believe, 94, 95 DVD. Yeah, I got Oliwa, just Dummy and Pusher, um, Really good Rhett Trombley fight with Oliwa. Um, uh, a couple of Darren Kimballs. Um, actually, going through that Albany DVD, there is a cat on there named Eric Bertrand. Tremendous. Um, I don't know much about him, but I just really enjoyed going. Like I'm like, who is who's 22? And uh, just swinging. Like, yeah, Eric Bertrand. Check it out. I put some of his fights up. Just do a little search. I've, I've put them up before, but... Uh, yeah, awesome. Really enjoy watching that. That was, that, that was a fun DVD to go through. But, uh, yeah, I try to go through the DVDs, put up, you know, uh, five, ten fights a week. Uh, right now, I don't have a lot of time, but that's I try to do that. So, like I said, subscribe to the channel, hit the little bell notification, and whenever uh, I add something, you'll get notified. You can definitely check it out. Um, uh, oh, yeah, one last thing, guys. If you're, when you're, uh, whatever platform you're listening to, Apple, Spotify, what have you, um, could you rate and review my show? Uh, I know you're on, you're there anyway, um, and it help it helps to show out in in terms of the searches. 
You know, like people listen to a show and they'll say, oh, other shows similar, blah, 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 and mine, mine will pop up. That only happens, apparently it only happens, I don't know how this shit works, but I was told. Apparently, uh, the more reviews, the better um, in terms of making that happen. So, yeah, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, if you guys could uh, could review, rate and review the show, it'd be uh, greatly appreciated. But uh, let's wrap this up. Well, let's get on with things. Um, yeah, other than that, I will be back to yell at you on Sunday about some episodes, uh, or about some episodes, about some topics that happened. I don't know. We'll see what topics come up. And from, a lot can happen from uh, Tuesday to Sunday, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm, I'll be yelling about something, I'm sure. But uh, in the meantime, here's my discussion with Dakota Odgers. Uh, and like I said, uh, check out his uh, full episode. Go back in my back catalog. Um, he is episode 26. Hey, and while you're back there, definitely check out the other shows. Roman Volpat, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Frank Kovacs, Josh Mazur, on and on. I've had great guests, and uh, and I'm really proud of all the interviews. And uh, I really hope if you're a, if a new listener uh, or you've just gotten in the last couple episodes or you're a friend of Dakota and you're tuning in to listen to him, well, do, go back and listen to his dad. Or, uh, you know, like I said, scroll back and, uh, and you'll find, uh, I'm sure you'll find some names that you know and, uh, and give those a listen. They're, uh, like I said, they're, they're, all the guys have been really great. So definitely check out the back catalog. But, uh, all right, guys, let's get into it. Here's my talk with Dakota Odgers. We'll talk to you, everybody. On, we'll talk to you all on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here on the fourth line voice, a returning guest. Uh, the last time I talked to this gentleman was the my actually my second podcast episode of that I had ever done, and it was and he was in a tractor while we were doing it. That's uh, but uh, today returning Dakota Odgers. Dakota, how you doing today? Doing well, doing well, Darren. And how about yourself? Very good. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you're not in a tractor today, though. No, no, you didn't catch me in the tractor today. We're uh, we're a little past feeding here and right before Hague, so uh, not much tractor work going on right now. How how are the how's everything looking this year? No, things are looking good. We just uh, got some timely rains, and uh, the crops are looking pretty good. And uh, yeah, no, the hay's starting to jump here a little bit. Get some heat there this week, and uh, yeah, can't complain. It's, uh, it's a rare thing for a farmer not to complain. Well, you'll be complaining soon enough. It's uh, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, just give me give me a week, and uh, and I'll have something. There, there you go. What are you uh, at the Odgers uh, family farm? Uh, what do, what are you guys uh, What are you guys mainly into? Uh, you know, we kind of run a mixed operation. Uh, we have uh, some, we have 110 cow calf pairs, uh, kind of split up between my grandpa's place and my dad's place, and then uh, besides that, we do like the pastures and whatnot, and then we got our haying. We got quite a bit of alfalfa down. Uh, over at my dad's place, we actually have uh, 120 acres of irrigation there on the pivot. So we got a little corn there this year, uh, some oats, and then uh, some grass seeds. And uh, yeah, we've got a little corn for silage there in the in the winter. So yeah, lots of things going on. It's never a dull moment around here. There you go. And you guys are in Spy Hill, correct? Yep. Yeah. There you go. As as I was watching one of your dad's fights just a little while ago, and like the announcer said, I think it's the only hill in that province. Yeah, when they said he was... Hey, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Well, sir, uh, like I said, you're uh, your returning guest, and uh, last time I had you on, of course, we covered your entire career from uh, from uh, your from junior, or AAA, really, in Yorkton, to uh, <clears throat> the SJHL, to your uh, days with the, with the Giants and uh, Swift Current and Moose Jaw, 
back to the SJ and then on to college. I think you had played you had played one year in Carlton when I had you on, but uh, you have since played a couple years. And uh, of course, COVID locked you out for your final year, but you graduated and uh, and your hockey journey. You just uh, man, you just had another uh, shoulder surgery, and uh, could you tell the listeners what, what's going on with you right now and and everything like that? Yeah, no, so right now, um, obviously, last year was uh, supposed to be my final year at university there. I was taking a four-year degree and was wrapping it up there last year. So uh, heading into it, um, you know, we had a really strong team. Uh, I was really excited about the year. And obviously with COVID, things got shut down. Um, the season got canceled. And at that time, I kind of made the decision, um, knowing I've battled it a bit for the last couple of years at Carlson, to get my shoulder done, um, be my second one on my left one, and I've already had two on my right one, so I've had four total now. Decided it was a good opportunity, um, just with the season being canceled and all the COVID restrictions, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, came home, got to play a few senior games, um, was lucky enough to play a few senior games with my dad um, in Rokenville there with the Tigers, and then uh, from there, I uh, kind of made the decision that it was probably best, uh, you know, even though my mind still wanted it uh, physically to, to maybe step away and, uh, you know, just play some senior hockey around home, uh, focus on, you know, kind of building my career. And uh, starting off, I'm up in Nunavik. Uh, I'm working on a three-week-on, three-week-off rotation. Uh, I'm doing environmental work at an iron mine there uh, with the company Baffleman. So, yeah, just uh, I'm actually heading up tomorrow for my second rotation. And, uh yeah, that's kind of what's new with me. Still helping out around the farm on my weeks off. Um, definitely enjoying that. And yeah, and I think that's definitely something for me. Uh, a lot of my passion from hockey will, you know, just kind of, I'm lucky that way. It'll kind of just transfer over to uh, being on the farm there. No, absolutely. And like we, we had said off air, um, I mean, you, you know, you had a, you know, you certainly had a, a hell of a career and, uh, you know, played the, the, the four years in the Western League and then in the SJHL. And, uh, I was going to say you should get your, uh, your brother John back and, uh, for the senior this year. You guys could be, and get the old man. You got be, you guys could be like the Stastny's, the senior hockey. <laughs> I think the Stastny's might have had a bit more skill and hands on that line with half. <laughs> it might be a bit of a dump and chase going on on that line. Well, yeah. We got it worked out, so. I'm a, I'm a centerman, John's a left winger, and Dad's a right winger, so it's definitely possible. See, there you go. Um, well, and for those that don't know, of course, your, your brother John played as well uh, in the in the SJ, and, and he is now, he works for the Wild now, doesn't he, as a strength and conditioning coach? Yep. Yeah, he'll be heading into his third year. He's uh, the head strength and conditioning coach for the Iowa Wild, so uh, the Minnesota Wild's main farm team, so... Uh, there's been a lot of guys actually come up uh, recently that John's, you know, trained for a long time. Um, the Nico Sturm on the fourth line spent a full year. He was on the fourth line in Minnesota this year in the playoffs. He spent a full year in Iowa. Um, the Kalen Addison got called up in playoffs there. He spent a full year in Iowa. Um, there's lots of guys that have went on to, uh, you know, to play, and I think it's only going to keep coming with uh, the more time he spends there. Yeah, and your brother, I mean, uh, you know, he, like I said, he played in the SJHL with Yorkton, and I mean, I, he'd throw down the odd time, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. No, Johnny, uh, Johnny definitely. He was, uh, Johnny was more of a gentle giant, though. He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, you really had to get him going, but once you got him going, he was just right off the roster. He was, uh, he was a strong puncher, too. I seen him, uh, the one night there, I seen him beat up guys from Notre Dame pretty bad, and, uh, I think the guy was having some trouble seeing him leaving the rink that night. His eyes were pretty shut. Well, and like I said, what is he, two years older than you? 
he would yeah he'd be three years um in hockey terms okay uh, he was three years ahead of me yeah wow. he had a late birthday so grade wise he was two years but hockey he was three. <laughs> there you go well i'm gonna put you on the spot right now the, if you if you two go out to center ice and drop the gloves who's winning that tilt Oh, I don't know. That would be, you know, he's big now too. He's he's been uh, really into the powerlifting and whatnot. So I don't know. I don't know. I'd probably be a little quicker, but I just have to make sure I miss that big right hand. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I maybe get that right hand tied up, and I can switch the left. I'm real confident going that on my left against his. <laughs> well, I, I, I was gonna say you're an Andrews. You guys don't have any lefts. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah. There's no lefts out. Oh, Johnny, he was. He was a clean puncher, so I'd have, I'd have to be pretty careful stepping into that one. Well, there we go. Well, um, I want to talk to you about college hockey and all that, uh, you know. But first of all, um, yeah, I've been having past guests come back on. I've had Josh Mazur and Chris Graff and uh, Sean McMorrow, etc. Uh, Adam Huxley was the latest one. Come back on and talk about their five toughest opponents. And uh, and the guys have taken it in different different ways, like their actual five toughest or toughest for that time period that they were in or whatever, perhaps in junior or junior A, whatever. But uh, So take it as you will. But uh, So I asked you back on, as you are a, a veteran scrapper in the Western Hockey League, What? who were Dakota Odgers' five toughest opponents? All right, for guys I fought, I kind of put together a list here. Um, the first guy that comes to mind is Evan Poli. Okay. Um, he's currently playing in the AHL. Um, the story about that one is I remember I had a bunch of family in Red Deer. Um, it was my first year in the dub, so I would have been 17. And, um, yeah, I was just kind of stepping into things, and he was the same age as I was. I remember him. He probably had, you know, 30 or 40 pounds on me at the time and a few inches, but, you know, it's just kind of the way it goes. Um, we went out for the first one, and I had some family at the game. And I thought it was just kind of a tie-up fight, and, and I, I wasn't real happy with it because I had family there. So I looked at him in the box, and I said, well, go, let's go again. And I made the mistake of not fighting very smart, and I just tried to trade rights with him. And uh, I remember going to eat chicken after the game, and I couldn't uh, coat my mouth wide enough to put the chicken in. So he would definitely be uh, definitely be very high on the list. But uh, if he went on, um, he fought uh, when I was... He fought Josh Thrower quite a bit when we were in Moose Jaw and Van, and then Trunky uh, when I was with him in Vancouver. So he was definitely a big, big boy. Um, like you know, was just, he wasn't the, the quickest puncher, but he was just when he threw, he threw hard. Um, so he definitely comes up to the list. Then I got uh, Ryan Rehill. Um, he was one guy I feel like you know twenty years ago, you know would have been a lot. He would have been drafted higher and would have been definitely playing you know higher professional right now. Um, he was tough. Like he was, he was really tough. But the problem with he had was uh, he was their number one defenseman too. Yeah. And they had a really young decor, so he never, you know, as far as fight fans and stuff like that, it's one of those situations where there's lots of guys that maybe don't fight all the time, but it doesn't mean they're not tough. You know, because he was just he just couldn't afford to be off the ice for five minutes because he was playing three and a half minutes at the time. Um, but he was definitely he was in Kamloops there. Um. I think he's, I'm not sure, I, he's a year older than me. I, I know he was at U of A, and I would not be surprised if he's playing pro hockey somewhere because he just kind of fits that mold, right? Big right-hand defenseman, heavy, you know, plays hard, tough, block shot. Um, yeah, next well. Next guy I got on my list. I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm going to, sorry to cut you off, but I was just going to say, um, 
of course, when when you were playing, of course, um, you know, being you're, you're one of the younger guys I've had on the show here, you young kids. Um, but you you know, you're playing in that uh, you know uh, 11, 12, 12, 13, 13, 14 type season. So basically, all your footage is out there on hockeyfights.com. So you can yeah. see everything. Plus, you can also because every all so for the folks listening, all the fights that we're talking about today, they're on hockeyfights.com. So you can go and check these out after. But um, were you uh, at the moment at the time? Were you a big video guy? Did you watch a lot of guys? Did you scout? You know what? Like uh, I remember, there were certain guys I scouted a lot because I knew that I I was I like I wasn't a huge guy. Um, you know I was. Five nine, five ten on a good day, and when I was playing in the dub, I was probably one eighty five. You know, so I was, I was always giving up uh, height and weight, and for me, I always looked at it as you know, I, I want to be prepared because I can't make a mistake against a lot of these guys because they already have that advantage of being bigger and you know weighing a bit more and whatnot, being a bit heavier. See, I, I utilized video quite a bit. Um, you know, I remember like a guy I never actually ended up fighting, and I ended up being teammates with but a guy that I studied lots of the other um, you know, he was in Victoria, I was in Vance, and I always wanted to be ready because I knew he was a lefty. I knew he had about 30 pounds of me, so it was one of those things that I knew he was tough. Like, he was, he was legitimately maybe, him and, him, Josh Thrower, and Goldborn probably would be my top three toughest when I played. Yeah. Um, I ended up being teammates with two of those guys, luckily. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Thrower and, and Trunk, but, like, those guys, as far as, uh, you know, Throsey, man, he, he was a good puncher. Like, he was just, he was a clean puncher. Um, Crunky was a big lefty. He just loved to fight. You know, he just, you could tell he just, he enjoyed fighting, and that's what he wanted to do, was just beat guys, right? And he was, and he, he was big enough and strong enough, he beat a lot of guys. And then, um, probably the last, like, Goldborn, he was just so quick, right? He'd catch you with that left and right. Like, he was a guy I always prepared for, um, to fight every game that we played him. I ended up fighting, uh, actually, I guess I'll move to one of the guys on my list. An like, honorable mention, I said, was uh, Rodney Feldman out of Saskatoon there. Um, strong puncher. You know what I mean? Like, one of those guys, he just when he punched, he threw from right from his hip, right? Yeah. Um, there wasn't any of the short route punches. Like, he just he came through hard. And uh, so I always ended up fighting him or Riley State were the guys I ended up fighting but Goldborn was definitely one of the guys in the league uh, that was just—he was—he was legit, right? Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Were you su- were you surprised that he didn't get more of a chance in Philadelphia? You know what? I—it's—it's it's one of those things, right? Like it's just you see some guys, um, you know, able to fill that role. You know, you look—I look at a guy like Keegan Colstar, who I think is pretty similar to Goldborn, right? Yeah. And the way they play and that they're willing, willing to kind of play that style and Vegas is willing to utilize those guys, right? Um, and you look at their fourth line last night. Uh, they have Brian Reeves and Keaton Colstar and uh, Kerry. All guys who are willing to step up and kind of answer that bell. And, and I think for me, it's a copycat league. And, you know, you look at if a team like that wins Stanley Cup, all of a sudden everybody's just heard out of that's just that's the way it's always been, right? The copycat league. If you win with that style, or you know, the big style was uh, well, speed and skill, right? Because Pittsburgh had all the speed and skill. They didn't have any tough guys, so everybody went that route, right? And yep. then you see a team a team that wins heavy, everyone's going to start going heavy again, right? So, no, it's interesting. It's 
That's the, that's the funniest thing. I was thinking actually of talking to my grandpa watching the game last night. And it's funny, you know, a guy like Casey, um, you know, obviously I knew when I played against him in Seattle, like, this guy's a good player, right? But it's, it's funny, there's guys that you're like, oh, that guy's pretty good. And then he goes, and now he's one of the best defensemen in the game. And then there's some guys you play against a junior, and like, oh, that guy's going to be lights out. The guy never makes it over these You know, it's funny that it's just the way that things change from a junior to a, a pro level. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, like you said, right, there's been, uh, I mean, there's been millions of first round busts, you know what I mean? But at the time when you watch them in junior, like can't miss, can't miss, you know, and yeah. then, uh, and then no, other guys absolutely. are late picks or free agents and they kind of come out of nowhere and, you know, end up having a 15 year career. And it's, yeah, you yeah. can't, you can't tell, right? You can't. But, no, uh, absolutely. I guess the the next guy I got on my list here is uh, Mackenzie Stewart. Yeah. Um, he had some good fight. He was a big, big boy. Uh, you know, six five, two forty. You know, built huge. Um, and he got he was a guy that I definitely know got tougher as the years went on in the dub. Like as a seventeen, he was one of those big guys. You know, who was just starting to figure it out, and then by the time we were 19, he was legit. A legit heavyweight. Um, got drafted by Vancouver. That's one guy I kind of lost track of. I'm not sure where he is at now, but uh, definitely, he was a tough matchup for me when I was... Uh, I fought him my 17-year-old year as well as the current. And that was the other thing. Uh, you know, it was funny. I was going back through his list here, and uh, you know, it's crazy to look at the guys that were in the league at 17 compared to when I was 20. You know, there's a lot of guys that left the league and weren't replaced with the, the fighting end of it, right? Yeah, it, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, there was even that, um, yeah, well, I was going to, well, I'll get into it after we've done the list here, but it's interesting even how much it, it kind of changed even while you were, like you said, while you were still in the league. Like, crazy. Like, I remember lining up against uh, Jacob Doty and Jesse Aston. Yeah. 16 and 17. Like, legit heavyweights. I don't care what era you're in, those guys go. Right? Yep. And by the time that I left, you know, there really wasn't anybody that scared the paint off the house. You know, the only guy that maybe was legit, legit scary was uh, Pola. You know, and Steel. Steel and Pola were probably the two main heavyweights, right? But I feel like when I came in the league at 16 or 17, almost every team had a guy that, you know, you were ready for it. Yeah, I will. I will say the name no, you mentioned, uh, Doty. Man, he is. He has looked good this year. He has put. He's put the boots <laughs> to some guys. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can remember as a sixteen-year-old playing him in playoffs, and uh, just like he would go on the forecheck, and you could just hear it across the rink. This guy was just. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can just hear him coming in on the D mat. I think uh, some guys are a little shy to go in the corner in those series. Not serious. Yeah, I don't blame him either. <laughs> no, no, and I mean, it's, it was interesting because it was kind of like you know he was with the in the Blues organization. He was in the American League for a little while, and then I think he was sort of forgotten about in the East Coast League, and he went over to Europe. He played over in the UK there and uh, with Nottingham and stuff, and then he came back, and I and I thought he was sort of done with hockey, but. Uh, He's kind of made a bit of a comeback here. He's making some noise this year. Yeah, I know. He had some really good self issues in there this year. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, the next the next guy that I got isn't uh, won't be on YouTube, and it's probably one of my better friends in hockey, uh, Tanner Lafant. Uh, it's probably pound for pound. I don't know if you're going to get tougher than this guy because he's about 150 pounds. <laughs> but yeah. he would throw down with anyone anywhere. Um, and just the way Tanner was, um, you know, we were good buddies. We played dancing together, played midget, um, played in Chef Current together. And after a full year of Chef Current, he just, he said he just wanted to fight me. So he just, we were in camp there the one game and I felt a punch in the front of my face. And he looked at me and says, we doing this hockey? And I said, yep. And, uh, luckily I knew it, like, but that he is, you know, so one fight that won't be on YouTube, but, uh, I, th- I think pound for pound, one of the toughest guys I've ever seen in my life. Like, it doesn't matter where and when this guy will throw down, he's happy to do it. So, uh, no, I think, uh, I think every fight fan probably should go and watch Carolyn Sam's fight because, uh, I think they could take up an afternoon for you and you'd be pretty entertained. Absolutely, and I'm so glad you brought that name up. Um, yeah, it was a while back. A few, oh, I can't remember how many, ten or twelve episodes ago. I was kind of doing uh, an under the radar kind of player to go onto YouTube and watch. And one one week I did was Tanner Lasan. It's L E S A N N, and I would, like you said, I would recommend everybody listening to go and uh, go down that rabbit hole, and you will be entertained uh, thoroughly. Oh, he was tremendous, and. Uh, I will say, selfishly as a fight fan, um, I always wished he had turned pro because I just wanted to see how yeah. he, how he would have done in like the East Coast League or something because he had like that like yeah. Gar- that Garrett Hunt vibe to him, and I wanted to see it. Yeah. Oh, and it was you know it was crazy the guys he was fighting. He weighed in at camp one fifty seven. Yeah. And he you know he was fighting their their heavies every night. He was fighting two twenty two fifteen no problem. And the thing is with Sanders, he'd, he'd get swinging, right? He'd swing you around, and, and I never, ever seen him get caught swinging. You know, I, I, guys would graze him, and they might, but I, I rarely, rarely ever seen him get caught clean. This his fighting style. He didn't allow himself to, and uh, he had a great style. It worked awesome for him. You know, he'd get that swing, and he'd, he'd slip those punches in there. And yeah, well, he was awesome. And he was just a great teammate, too. Awesome guy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, a big fan. Um, and I know I heard he, like, last I heard he was, like, you know, going to university and, like, playing Junior B here in Saskatoon. And, um, did he just, you know, I mean, obviously, probably it was a good idea. Go, it's always good to go get an education, of course. We're going to talk about that right away. So he went to school, but did he just, like, just sort of just stop giving a shit and just kind of, like, I don't really want to do this anymore? Like, just let's go to school and, and be done with it? Yeah, he actually ended up getting uh, his firefighter training. Oh, there you go. He ended up doing. The last time I talked to him, uh, he was up north there working at, uh, I'm not sure what kind of site it was, but he was doing the EMS and firefighting up there. Um, I actually seen he was playing in that, I think he was playing for that northern BC league, the senior league up there. Yeah. Um, I, I seen he beat up a guy pretty good up there, so some things haven't changed. There you go. Yeah. Well, and as we were talking with Mackenzie Stewart, uh, he was done with hockey a couple years ago, and I just looked, and he was playing for uh, Innsfeld there, so in the old, uh, in the Chinook League, I think, in the Senior League. So, yeah, all you you characters are playing senior, which is a word to the wise for people out there. If you're playing senior hockey, uh, pay attention to who you're uh, bumping with in the corner and talking shit to. Because it might end real bad for you. Check the game notes. <laughs> exactly. 
Hey, I was going to say, well, you were talking about pl- playing senior with your old man there. Um, does does the does uh, does dad still get a little wound up every once in a while? You know what? He only played the one game, um, obviously just because of COVID. But uh, I think he was pretty calm. I think he was just more or less excited to uh, to finally get to play a game together. And uh, our centerman uh, for fight Sam's was uh, Conrad McKay. There you go. So uh, our line was our our line was definitely ready to rock, anyways. But uh, I brought the average age down a bit, so that was a good thing. But uh, but no, we had a really good time. It was awesome playing with those two guys. That's uh, you know you, you speak about some old old names that some guys might remember. There's uh, Conrad McKay and obviously my dad uh, Jeff Rogers, and then um, in the just down the road, Nestor there. There's Chris McAllister. So. Uh, some heavy names are on the the the, uh, the senior hockey league here, anyway. Well, didn't uh, McCabe McAllister get at it this year? Yeah, I was I was gone I was gone at school. Uh, that was a couple years ago in playoffs. I think they went at it. Yeah, uh, Dad was at the game anyway. So, yeah, no, they uh, they threw down there. Tremendous. Uh, I can't remember where I go. I'm, we're busy yapping away. What number is that? All of them or what? Where are we? Uh, I got I got one more. All right, I got one more. I uh, I got wrote down is uh, Luke Osterman uh, out of Seattle. Okay. Um, you know what? I fought him three or four times. I think it was. It seemed like Vancouver and Seattle were pretty close there, and whatever it was, we always kind of had chippy games. It always end up. I'd end up fighting him, but uh, you know, another guy on has some really good fights. Um, just stands there and throws. Uh, we fought pretty similar styles, where it was just you know, stuck your head and let's go. Um, so we had some entertaining fights there, but uh, I remember, you know, he was one of those guys you could catch and he wouldn't move, right? He'd just keep coming back harder and harder. So, And him and Josh Thrower actually had a really good fight the one night, too. Um, I had, I think I ended up fighting Coulthard the shift before, and then Throsy and Austin and fought right after. So it was a good start to the game anyways, but, uh, yeah, I remember him and, him and Throsy had a really good fight, too. I was going to say, when you're, when you're matching up with guys, do you... Well, I mean, you know, obviously you were sort of the smaller guy in, mo- in a lot of your fights, but I mean, like a guy like Osterman and stuff, you guys are the same size, you know, you and Lasan, well, you're bigger than Lasan, but um, did you prefer your own size or did you prefer bigger? Uh, you know what, I always, I always kind of knew I was going to be fighting bigger. Yeah. Um, there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of guys my size that were wouldn't. Like I said, I'm five nine, five ten. Um, I always knew I was probably going to be in that six two, six three. Um, and then you know I ended up fighting Scott Allen uh, two times. There. He was six seven. Uh, you know Mackenzie Stewart was six five. I always, I didn't mind fighting big guys. Um, I just the biggest thing for me was I always just had to fight smart, right? Uh, trying to get in tight, and I, I was always strong enough where I could I could hold it in tight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was always that was the thing, right? I think the one year our radio guy came up to me and he says, uh, "Oh, do you realize you gave up uh, three inches and thirty-seven pounds on average in fight this year?" Oh, I have no idea. It's kind of the way it works out. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things that you just kind of get used to. As a smaller guy, you're kind of used to having to fight those bigger guys. The guys your size, a lot of times they're not, right? and those aren't the guys you really want to go either. So. Yeah. No, I, to me, it, it, to me, it really didn't make a preference. I, it seems like I always end up gravitating towards the bigger guys. Well, it's just the way it works out. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I never minded it. I was gonna, uh, I was gonna ask you. Speaking of, uh, of of sort of legendary fighters, not only your obviously with your dad, 
But uh, your kind of your last year in uh, in the Western League with the Moose Jaw Warriors, your head coach was Tim Hunter. Um, yeah. Did you guys ever have any discussion on fighting? Did you ever pick his brain about anything, or did you guys not really talk about that? Yeah, no, we we talked a bit about it, um, just different uh, different strategies and stuff like that. He kind of seen from his point of view. Um, you know, he always he liked that cross, right? Yeah, and he liked to tie up with the right and go with the left. We went over that a bit. Uh, I ended up using that because as I got towards the end of my career uh, in the job, I always I started using my left a lot more. Yeah, um, I just I kind of started to understand it a bit more on how it can set up the other punches. As far as just, you know, backing guys off and freeing the right hand up a bit. Um, cause a lot of times, you know, being a smaller guy, if a guy got you locked out, that's what frustrates me about fights now. When I watch a lot of fights is a guy will get locked out with his right hand and they won't even attempt to try and to open up and switch, right? They'll just sit there and kind of, they know they're going to miss them if they're throwing just to show, right? But it's like no one goes to the left where I always found that if you could kind of work that left in, if a guy had to tie it up, well, now you can pop him, and he's going to let go of your right hand, and then he can start going the way you want to fight, right? So yep. that was always my biggest thing was never let a guy – like now it's, you know, all those guys that just hold each other out, right? Yeah. And if everyone just kind of does that rope-a-dope thing where I – that was never my style. If I ever got in that style, I was going to leave the fight for my style, right? I had to keep the fight entertaining. I had to keep it going because that was the only way that I was going to do well in there. Right, you know, you can work that left in, then go back to your right, and just make sure that they never get comfortable to where they can string you out, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and to go back to what you were saying earlier, um, like you said, how much the, the league had changed even in the short time that you were in it, in the four years that you were in it. Um, to, towards the end, did you, like, did you even, like, I, I, I guess, I don't know, how do I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, stumbling over my words i don't even know how to put this did you notice like uh just sort of an attitude change with the players like did you notice that at all or was it like just a mindset thing or is it just something like that um, you noticed yeah no, I, I guess i noticed it from the guys i was matched up against yeah um it, it never changed in the way that your teammates respected it i think that's a misperception that people think oh wow you know, guys don't want it. They still want it, right? Yeah. And the thing was, though, is it was actually, you know, maybe easier for me to get fights in my last year in Moose because we had such a good team. You know, where if a guy like Cowden got touched, a guy like Gregor got touched, a guy like Hobbelock got touched, well, I was told you that, right? So it was easier that way, and, and I found that you could back teams off pretty easy, right? If they don't have an answer for it, and you start, you know, letting them know that this isn't going to fly and you're going to, you know, it's that side of the change, but as far as your teammates expecting it, um, that never changed. And I think that, I think that players will always still want fighting in the game. The, the outside of the game, right? Well, I, like, like I said, I, I've never heard the players say they didn't want it. Uh, no. You know, and, well, and it's interesting as a, like as a, as a grinding kind of, you know, um, tougher player, um, Take us onto that, like onto the into that uh, that situation. You're in, you're on the ice, and or you're in a series. Say, um, can you feel like, like can you can you sense like the other team's like scared? Like if you get on them and you start hitting them, can you feel guys physically like folding? 
Oh, Can... absolutely, and I think I think it works both ways. Um, you know, the best analogy I got is, uh, you know, if you're going up for your lunch and you know that someone's going to be waiting there to keep the shit out of you when you grab your lunch, probably not to be real fed to grab your lunch, are you? Exactly. You know, it's yep. just one of those things where you know, I, I don't care who it is, whether you're a skill guy, whether you're a guy like me who played that way, you know what the other team has before you, you even get you know what I mean? Like you, you know that. Oh, tonight might be a tonight might be a long one, but you gotta. That's that to me is where I don't think anybody in the league has an answer for Ryan Reed. What? And it gives it gives Vegas an advantage every night he's out there because guys don't want to be out there when he's on the edge. See, you're you're reading my yeah. mind here because that's exactly where I was going with this. Because as a fan, and like I said, I, we talk. I've talked on this podcast a lot about that, and you know, on social media and blah blah blah. Um, you know, you always get the. Well, I'm not, I was going to include Tom Wilson, but not so much because I mean he scores thirty goals and stuff. But when you got a guy like yeah, Reeves, yeah, yeah, you got a guy like Reeves though, and I mean it's not even really the fighting; it's just the hitting. And you get you get some of these fans that just. Oh, he's oh, yeah. He leads in hits and whatever, but they're they're no they're inconsequential. You know, they don't those hits don't matter. Like they always try to downplay his role, like you know, with the hitting and the physical play. And I'm like, it's completely like I'm sitting there thinking, no, you guys are full of shit. You know, like of course it matters yeah. what he's doing. And here I I got you on the phone, yeah. So I mean, exactly, and you brought it up. You know, it's just one of those things. Like, it's, you know, whether it is a player, you know, you know who's on the ice because you get that puck on the wall and Ryan Reeves is out there, you know you don't have time. So you know you know what I mean? It's the little things like that that, that it, it's so hard to, to explain to people that maybe haven't been in those situations where you, you get the puck on the wall, all of a sudden, you know, you got someone that you know isn't going to hit you. Well, you're going to try and make a play through his legs, or you're going to try and make a play under a stick. You got Reeves coming at you. You you're trying to get rid of the puck and trying to brace yourself to hit, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, then the stick starts creeping in, and then a turnover happens, right? It's just all those things that play into a game. That um, you know, I think that go overlooked so much in today's game. I uh, and it, it's it's frustrating at times. I mean, to to see some of the things that go on in the game. Um, you know, like I've, I've had a few times where I, I've stopped watching hockey. I think the one thing for me that I was just really threw me out of the playoffs last year was in the bubble was when, um, that guy from Montreal scored a goal and patted Philly's goalie's head on the top of the top of the head. Yeah. Like that. And that guy was a rookie. You know, like to me, that's just disrespecting the game. And as far as I'm concerned, if I'm playing, I don't care how many games I get. You're not watching. Yeah. You know, and I just, and that's just stuff I just, I hate in the game. I hate to see. And I think that there's, you know, there's certain things that you, you, you are, uh, you're liable for your actions, right? Yep. What you choose to do, there's, there's consequences to that. And I, I feel like there's, even, you know, I looked at the social media example. There's no consequences for anything anyone says anymore, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like people can go and call you a loser or whatever they want to call you on Twitter, but there's, you know, if they know that they're never going to say that to your face, right? I think a lot of those things come into, you know, just into sports in general, right? But 
don't get me wrong, I, mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record here. I still love love the game of hockey. It's just there's certain things that I'm sure a lot of the guys that played that way would uh, would kind of feel the same way I do with certain things. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh well and we'll continue on with this sort of this this line of thinking, but of course after you play with the in the in the Western Hockey League and the SJHL, um, you go down to Ontario and you play university hockey. <clears throat> and um again for those listening, um University hockey here in Canada, the players are a little bit older because it, usually it's it's twenty to twenty five is the age group sort of because everybody's played their full years of junior and blah blah blah, and then they go to Canadian hockey. Whereas down in the states, they're a little younger, a tad younger, but uh, as far as the NCAA goes. But um, what was your biggest? Uh, what was the biggest difference in the in the university game to the junior game for you? Just uh, you know the. The biggest thing for me was the size of the team. Um, and every game was intense. Like, it was it was crazy intense. That was one thing I couldn't get over, right? Because you're playing in university, you play 28 games. So, you know, if you lose three games in university, it's equivalent to losing, you know, 10 or 11 in a room. You know, at the major junior level. Because yeah. your game difference, right? You got 72 games in major junior, and you got uh, 28 in university. Um, so that thing, you know, you're playing against men. Those guys are 26 and 21, right? Yep. Guys are fully developed. Um, I firmly believe it's one of the most underrated hockey leagues in the entire world. I agree. Um, it was, for me, it was, it's a step up from the WHL, which I think, I don't think a lot of people realize, right? They think, oh, we're going to play CIS. They think, oh, that's a step down from the WHL. Like, you'll, you know, you should be able to score lots of goals if you're stepping down from the WHL, right? It's actually a step up. Like it's a better league than WHL. Because um, you got to think about it. Pretty much all your guys, you know, on your top teams and everything like that. Pretty much all of them are major juniors or yep. high end ju- junior yep. guys. Yep. Right. Um, but man, what an awesome experience! Um, I can't say enough about my time. Like I, I had more fun in those. Four years at Carlton. Those are the you know the most enjoyable years I've had. Like, um, it just seemed like whatever it was, everyone that came to university knew, hey, we're here, right? There's no trade. You know, guys are here, and it you know it, we'd be after a game. And it was it was very old school in the way that it'd be a Saturday night home game, and after the after the game there'd be twenty twenty five guys. You know, everything was done as a team. Everything was done together. Um, you know, and it was one of those things where a lot of guys, you know, you don't have your NHL draft picks. You don't have your, your super young guys are in high school, right? Everyone's kind of there. You know, you're going through the school grind together. You know, you're just trying to survive the school. And yet, you're still getting together, still able to play a game that you love while going to school. And you get to hang out with all your buddies every weekend, right? It doesn't get much better. Um, I, I can't, like, like I said, it was just... I absolutely loved my experience. Carlton, I was lucky enough to make it to nationals the one year. You know, I wish I could say that I've made it to nationals every year, but just the way it goes, it's, uh, you, know, you want to win every year. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I loved it. I really did. I had a blast, uh, getting to play hockey and, and go to school. Um, and your, your coach That's, is Sean Van Allen, right? Yep, uh, from Seanovan, Saskatchewan. So, yes. uh, it was actually funny, funny story I always tell about Vanner is, he called me the 20-year-old in Moose Jaw and telling me about all these great things at Carlton and, you know, saying, you know, how much I'll enjoy it. I said, you know, 
Vanner, I, I don't want to mean to be rude here, but uh, where is Carlton? <laughs> Easy <laughs> to pull him up. It's an ontology. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, it's funny the way it works, right? You don't even know where a school is, and then you end up spending four years there, and you make some of your best friends last your entire life. So it's uh, known Vanner was Vanner was awesome for me. Um, you know, he took me as a guy who you know maybe didn't necessarily play a whole lot in major junior. You know, if you're power player or anything like that. Um, you know, tried to find the role all the time in junior, um, in that, in that sense. And then he took me in as my first year in Ottawa, and he was a really, really strong defensive forward. He gave me a role right away when I got in there. Dodgy, I'm going to make, you know, into a shutdown guy, and I ended up playing probably the most I've played, uh, since I was in midget AAA, just playing a shutdown role, uh, matching up against teams at the top lines and taking pride in that sense, and, uh, you know, still being a guy that sticks up for teammates and, so I can't speak high enough of Vander, right? Give me a role. And, and that's the thing with a lot of guys that play like that. There's coaches who, who understand that side of the game. There's coaches who don't, right? Yep. And it's really refreshing. I know, you know, any guy that would have came on your podcast, they've had coaches who believes in them. And you can feel right away when a coach believes in it, right? It's yep. just, uh, it just changes your whole whole attitude coming to the rink every day. And, and it just kind of lets you relax a bit too, right? No, absolutely. And, um, yeah. Now, well, before you went out there, were you, um, was there any thoughts of like, you know, the U of S or University of Alberta or Regina or anything? Were you, were you planning out West to, to go to school or was that, uh, sort of, we'll see how, we'll see what it comes. You know what? It was one of those things, uh, I wanted to kind of keep everything open. Yeah. And I ended up, uh, committing pretty early in the, in the process. Um, I was actually undergoing a shoulder surgery again, uh, at the time. Um, you know, as a blew out my shoulder as a 20 year old there. And it ended up happening where my season ended in Yorkton. And, you know, uh, Carlton called me right away and they said, Hey, we'd really, really like to fly you out. And, uh, you know, they said, we'd like to get you out for a recruiting trip to the city. I'd had really good talks and, and you know, like, I kind of had a feeling, I said, man, I kind of said to my dad before I go, I said, I really feel like this coach believes in me and what I can bring. And for me, that was, that's huge, right? To know you're going to go into an opportunity and have a chance to play every night. Um, so I kind of said to dad, I said, well, if everything goes well on this trip and, uh, you know, talk so well with the coaches, I think I'm probably going to commit. And I went out there and I had just had an absolute blast. I got to meet some of the guys and, uh, yeah, it turned into a pretty easy decision for me. I just ended up, uh, coming to Carlton. So, it was one of those things I really didn't have a plan on where I was going to go. I just kind of wanted to go where the best fit was. And uh, for me, it just always the best fit in the world. Now, and in, and in terms of the WHL school package, it's uh, it's a year of school paid for for every year you played in the league. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, man, I can't say enough good things about that, that package. Um, you know, I still actually have another year um, to go. And uh, for those... For those who don't know, maybe, um, you know, from the States and whatnot, it's every year you play in the WHL, OHL, or QMJHL, so all under the branch of the CHL, you receive a, a full year of tuition and books. Um, and that does that not only goes towards um, university, but uh, like I said, I also have a year left. Um, you know, I've looked at different things like getting my butcher's license. That would be covered. Um, if you wanted to go to firefighter training, that would be covered. If you wanted to become a, an electrician, a welder, all those things, it's all covered through the WHL. So it's a pretty amazing program. Um, you know, it's, it's funny I say, like, 
you know, when I signed the contract when I was 15 years old, I had no idea that I would, you know, I would utilize it that much, right? Um, yeah. And I guess that was that was a big thing for me on on why I just, you know, you look at my situation coming out of junior, I'd had three shoulder surgeries, um, you know, wasn't wanted to keep playing, and it was an opportunity for me to go to school, get a degree, uh, pretty much step free, and continue to play every weekend, right, at a high level. So. For me, it's, uh, I know I've grabbed uh, some younger guys around here that are maybe that 16, 17 years old, and I said, don't be stupid, you know, work hard in school because you never know, you always, you always, and, and the thing is, it's funny, right? Everyone's trying to tell me the same thing, but uh, you're like, oh, I'll never go to school, I'll never. I always thought I'd be a rigger and farmer, so and then you end up going, and, uh, you know, things turned out the way they do, so trying to grab the young guys and talk some sense into them, and uh, hopefully it doesn't look better than I did. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, no, like you said, you made you made the most of your opportunity, and uh, um, but uh, just to go back to the to the guys, of course, you're down in Ontario, so um, I imagine a lot of your teammates were, um, you know, OHL guys and stuff like that, and came out of that system. Um, at the time, uh, of course, the Western Hockey League, uh, for those that don't know, uh, does not have any fight limits put on it, uh, even as of today, they don't. Um, whereas the OHL, I believe, is three fights. And I think Quebec is the same. Um, was there any talk in the locker room amongst, uh, you know, with, you know, you're the WHL rep, right? And you got your OHL guys in there and your Quebec League guys. Um, what were their feelings on the rules? Did you guys ever talk about that? Oh, they didn't like, um, they didn't like the fight. Um, like I know a guy like Cody Caron, uh, I played with my four years out there. I think he had, you know, he he was at the fight limit every year, right? Yeah. In the OHL, he's like, "How am I supposed to?" For him, he's like, "How am I supposed to get a pro team to look at me as a big physical guy like two times a year?" Yeah. You know, um, and the thing is, it just stuff creeps into a game when you don't have fighting. I, I I don't understand why people, you know, try to ignore it. Um, I see more dirty stuff in my university career as far as on ice stuff, you know, slashing and hitting from behind. Than I ever did, you know, when there was fighting. Um, and it's frustrating, um, but you, you, you know, you, you try and people just don't like to hear it, right? They're gonna, they're gonna hear their yeah. names and they're, you can, you can give them all the facts you want, but they're just gonna still feel the same way. So I'm kind of, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. Um, no. but it's just one of those things that's frustrating, but there's absolutely more, more liberties taken and, and more cheap shots. Like I've seen a guy get baseball bashed. You know what I mean? Like, literally a baseball bat swing into a guy's doctor's leg. I've never, ever seen a guy like Breeze's stick above his waist in junior. You know what I mean? Because you just knew that you're going to get beat. Um, it just turns into a sideshow, right? So it's frustrating that way. And, um, you know, I, I still did. There's still, I guess you can fight out there. I, I fought three years out there. You just get the one game suspension. So you just make sure you make it count. And, and yeah. But uh, no, it's definitely definitely well, frustrating. Uh, that's kind of- yeah. Well, and then also for those uh, the, in in Canadian university hockey, it's half visors. They don't wear full cages, so yeah. It, it uh, no. yeah. So it uh, like well, and like you said, it's it's like that with a half visor. I couldn't I I couldn't imagine NCAA no. with a full visor. What goes on? I couldn't imagine. Oh. No, no, it's uh, it would get uh, ugly in a hurry. It's just. Yeah, and it, it's just 
it's not even the the thought of fighting deters ninety percent of people. Yeah. The thought of conflict, right? Yeah. It's just it's just the having in the back of your mind that something could happen to me if I do this will stop a lot of people from doing it. And it was you know, it's funny, it's, there was guys I played against in junior that wouldn't even wouldn't even make teeth, right? And all of a sudden they're a loud guy in, in uh, university hockey. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that and that's the thing. And I mean, I've I've you know, and I've said that a lot of times on on social media when you kind of get into it with these people. I'm like, that's the problem with ho- with all hockey, really, is they remove they remove the consequences. Everyone's a hero now, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, but um, but well, I mean, that's a hell of a journey. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm very happy with that uh, that you that you uh, enjoyed your time there in, in college and, uh, and got your degree and, uh, and, and really you made the, the system work for you. Um, the one thing I, and I didn't bring this up earlier, I'm going to put you on the spot here because it had, it was a hot button kind of issue there for a while, at least around here in, in terms of the Western hockey league, um, or probably, I guess, in across the CHL, but, um, I think it started in the Western league, somebody in the Lethbridge. What do you, when you hear about, uh, do you think the players should be paid? You know what? From my experience, um, I, I look at it, and I look—I no, I don't. Um, I look at what I've gotten out of the the junior package, um, and I guess people's defense would be, "Oh well, um, you know, I—I'm not going to use that." Even even I could have said that as a partner, right? I'm yep. not, I don't have to go to school, right? Yep. So, okay, but yes, I, I, I understand that point, but almost in today's society, you need some sort of training. Yep. I don't, I don't care what it is, right? Yeah. Like, you can't, people are like, oh, well, this will cut meat. Well, go get your butcher's out. You know what I mean? Or, oh, well, I'll just go work here. Well, you need training for everything you do. I want to be a safety officer. Well, go get your safety costs paid for. There's so many different ways to utilize this program. I don't see how someone can make the argument that they, they don't have access to it or they don't, they're not going to use it at any point, right? Like, you could use it to have a Class 1-8 driver's license and drive truck for the rest of your life. Yep. Right? You've already paid, you've paid for a job that's going to pay you for the rest of your life. Um, you know, I was always, always had equipment, always had sticks. My bills were paid for. I got gas money. You know, I got to play in front of thousands of people. I don't see how you're going to, I don't see how giving me as a 17-year-old is going to help me more long-term than paying for my university. No, I mean, I agree. Uh, And you're going to kill probably half your markets in the CHL if you start paying kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I know, like, did I ever have a surplus of money playing junior hockey? No. Was I ever expecting to get rich playing junior hockey? No. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those things. It's a decision you make. Everything's looked after. And you have an opportunity. And another thing I guess I would, I would add to my argument is I, I played with guys who, because when you're playing in the WHL or OHL or QMJHL, they offer you as many classes as you want. They'll pay for So I played with guys who'd actually finished a full year of university before they ever actually entered university through their through their uh, CHL. Yeah. So you look at that, right? I mean, 
what more can you ask for in my in my well, and like you said, and I and I agree with you, and I and I think a lot of the times, I think the, I think the long term advantages get overlooked for you know for the short term. Oh, well, they should make at least minimum wage, and they should do this, and they should do that, and yeah, and like you said, uh, I I think uh, with it's all the other benefits that come with it that are are are, are priceless, really nowadays. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, what, what would you pay on tuition now? For I mean, close to ten thousand dollars a year. Oh, easily. For yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. You know, and that's I know the different leagues have different uh, packages. Like CMHL is just pretty standard. Um, but yeah, as far as my situation, I tend to ask for anything more. You know, and then on top of that, I still got to play. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, uh, so, the, o- the only thing I could ever think. Um, Ah, now I'm drawing a blank on who I was talking with this about, or to. Um, anyway, uh, in turn, the only thing that I would like to see maybe changed that I could see that if they could m- maybe change it up a little bit is I think, I think that package should always be there for you, and I think guys should be allowed yeah. to go try the pro route for a couple years yeah. and no, then go to school. Yeah, I think that they should because it's what is it one year. You only have one year, and you have to yeah, go use it. Yeah, I think it. you have one year. It, it's either six months or one year. Uh, I think it's so. The way it works is if it, if you play. So if I after my twenty year old year went and played until Christmas, and I went and played university hockey after Christmas, I wouldn't have to sit out game. But if you play after the Christmas break, now you have to sit out a full year of university. Yeah, see the way the rules are set up, and then. If you play after your first year pro, so if you start your second year pro, you lose your your package. Yeah, so that's the little rules in there that I I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, because it's like because that's not fair to the guy either, right? Because they're just getting their feet wet as a pro, and that's such a learning curve, you know. And, you, and like, who knows what you know system you're in, or what organization, or what have you. I mean, you know, you'd like to see a guy legitimately take a swing at it, right? Yeah, legitimately, unless you want to, you know, like, with no repercussions whatsoever, you have three months to figure out a still hockey game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Without having to sit out games at university or risk losing, you know, your WHO package. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a great system. And, and I mean, at the same time, it's, um, you know, for I guess if you want to t- if you want to go for the NCAA route, then at that ter- I guess at that point you go to the junior A system. And, and, and look at that way, yeah. um, which is again. But I mean, then for, you're not you're not guaranteed anything either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At least if you're playing the WHL or something like that, you're guaranteed schooling. But um, yeah, no, there's, there's lots of different options. I mean, uh, as far as and that's where there's always going to be a debate. There's never going to be a right path. Right. Everyone has to make their own path and make decisions that work for them. No, absolutely, and I mean, but I just think, you know, like you said, in this day and age, I mean, unless you're a high draft pick or what have you, I mean, to me, uh, you know, with the way the world is, like you were saying, I mean, you know, I, I, I think you'd be crazy not to take, not to go to school. Uh, and for myself, like I'd be going down if my body was working, I'd be going to give it a shot. You know, if my shoulders weren't the way they were, uh, you know, I look at a guy like Gary and Steele played with us the last. Uh, two or three years, you know, got some of his education paid for, 
went off and played university. Uh, a couple guys, Scott Reynolds, uh, Colin Shirley, and Sam Ruoff, uh, both finished their careers at U of S, graduated with degrees, and now they're down south, right? Yep. And you can still pursue that. It's not like it's not like by going to university you're you're limiting yourself in any way. You're actually you're going in this pro as a 24 year old man, 25 year old man, strong and ready to rock. No, absolutely, and I, and I and I would say probably from a from a pro team standpoint, I mean you're getting a much more polished player than a 20 year old out of junior. Absolutely, because you think about it, you know, you're playing a 28 game season, you have a lot of time if you know. If, if you want to be a pro hockey player, and that's your goal of going to school, you know, you can work out four or five times a week, right? Yeah. So when you're playing junior, you might get one or two lifts. And you can, you know, you can fill out, get faster, get stronger. You have all this practice time. You can really develop as a player if that's your, if that's your goal. And that's, uh, for me, that's why I always think it's a great route. Uh, you know, obviously, I tell guys, like, if I got an ACOP contract, I'm not going to play university. But I think it's a great option for a lot of guys who are in between, right? Yep. No, absolutely. Well, there we go, man. There's the uh, the journey of Dakota Rogers, and uh, and like I said, uh, you know that that's great that you you went and got your degree, and uh, and uh, yeah, where where are you heading tomorrow? Up to none of it. I'm yep. heading to an iron mine uh, on Baffin Island uh, to uh, do some environmental work up there for the next few weeks. There you go. Um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, the 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 journey—it's a new adventure in your life. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And then uh, you know, once November rolls around, I guess it's time to be a roping little tiger. So I've been keeping up with. The, it'd be kind of cool to get to play with all the guys I grew up with. Uh, you know, uh, when I was younger and got to play minor hockey with. So that'll definitely be uh, definitely be a good time coming home. And uh, it'll be weird coming around. You know, starting September, not going off to camp or going to school. So. Be a big change, but uh, no, I've just been so lucky uh, to to be able to do what I've done, uh, the people I've met, and uh, just the relationships I've made. Spent the vast learning more. It's a hell of a run, and a lot of fun. No, absolutely. Well, and then you get to, like you said, play senior. It's kind of with the with the boys that you that you started with. So it's almost like a full circle type of moment, kind of thing. No, absolutely, and uh, yeah, no, dad's still involved there in the team, so. I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of fun nights coming up there, and uh, a lot of cool memories too. So, no, it's just one of those things where you know it's all about the guys that we have to do that and the people you get to experience it with. I'm sure that won't change one bit when it comes to senior hockey. No, ab- absolutely. Well, uh, all right, Dakota. I won't keep you much longer. Like I said, I uh, I know it was short notice, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, you know, it was a fun journey. Like I said, to watch to watch you. Uh, you know, right all the way through, right, right from junior all the way to college, and uh, and to, and to talk to you in the different stages has been has been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it. No, absolutely. I've uh, always enjoyed the uh, started out on Twitter there, and uh, I remember uh, first time I seen the Southpaw account, I <laughs> I immediately liked it, and uh, no, I always I'm a big fight fan too. Uh, as much as even uh, having been doing it much the last couple of years in university, it never stopped me from watching and. Uh, I know even uh, whenever I see guys pop up their old fights, and uh, there's always they're always entertaining. You know, I love those minor pro stuff too. I've listened to a lot of a lot of the podcasts and uh, just some of the stories you get uh, out of those guys, the crazy crazy events, whether it's the LNA to the UHL or you know the old Central League. It's, uh, I've, I've enjoyed listening to all those too. So keep up the good work. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we got to get your uh, we got to get your set. Uh, your center there, Conrad. We got to get him on the show. I'm sure he's got some crazy LNAH stories. Yeah, 
Oh, I'm sure he has a few, yeah. No, uh, he's quite the guy that's coming around. He did play, and man, he's top. Yeah, he was. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dakota, well, I won't keep you, but, uh, again, thank you very much, and congratulations on the, uh, on the, the degree and the, your, your success in hockey, and, uh, and good luck with you, uh, in your next step of your, uh, of your life. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll bump into, uh, bump into each other in, uh, Saskatoon or something, maybe for a beer or something like that one of these days. Absolutely. Let me know when you're in town. We will definitely do that. Will do. All right, Matt. Take it easy. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Thank you. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 